can go ahead and be seated. And those kids who are heading to the kids' lesson can head out now. All right, off we go. Oh, good morning, Fairhill Church. It's good to be with you uh, and to look at Jesus once again. Uh, we are still in the book of Mark. We're going to be in the book of Mark for a while, and then we're going to do a, a brief Christmas interlude for a month or so, and then right back to Mark. So, uh, good time looking at Jesus, of course. Um, so this week, uh, we're looking at one of the sides of Jesus that uh, I know I often don't really consider and haven't considered, uh, the kind of more mysterious side of Jesus. So last week, we looked at uh, one of the famous parables, probably the most famous parable, the, the parable of the sower and the different soils that are able to receive the word. Uh, but there's something nice about those par- that parable because uh, it comes with an explanation. And he says exactly what it means, and therefore, it seems really clear. But the reality is that when Jesus mostly spoke in public to the crowds, he gave the confusing part without the explanation. All you got was this, the soil and the seeds and go off and figure it out. And this week, we aren't going to get the explanation. We are getting simply uh, the parables themselves in kind of their raw form. And we have to ask ourselves first, why, why parables? Why parables? Why has Jesus our Lord chosen to to preach in that way? Why did he teach the people using that technique? And then, uh, what are we supposed to get out of them? What is the great blessing that comes from diving into the parables and understanding them? It can be all too easy to kind of cast them aside. And that is the the temptation. But Jesus, in this uh, passage, actually, he, he pleads with us, receive the parables. Seek the kingdom. Seek to understand. You'll be blessed if you do. And so I encourage us with that same thing, that we're going to look at these parables, that we might hear them, have ears to hear and eyes to see the the wonders of the kingdom of Christ. So with that in mind, uh, let's open the scriptures. Let's look at Mark 4, 21 through 34. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Casey taught me the little song, so now I, now I know it. Uh, she's probably teaching the kids, too. Uh, all right. Uh, Mark 4, starting with verse 21. This is just after he's spoken the parable of the sower. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret but to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, And the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, 
With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so the birds of the air can nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they are able to hear it, but he did not speak to them without a par- uh, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. He explained everything. So we have this picture of the parables presented, and do we receive them with great joy and all the blessings that we bring, they bring, or are we left in confusion and fear and anxiety because we failed to really grasp them? Let's pray that we might be the former. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have sent Jesus the word and that he has spoken and he has spoken of the kingdom that we are invited into. And Father, we ask that you might uh, enlighten our, our minds by your spirit to understand these things. And Father, not merely to understand them, but to, to hear them truly and that we might live according to them for there is great blessing in them. Father, we ask that you would uh, protect us from wrong understandings and protect us from uh, just thinking wrongly of you. Would we uh, see your glory and your beauty and would we uh, delight in Jesus, we pray. This morning, in Christ's name, amen. All right, so uh, remember the context here. So Jesus has just given parables and an explanation and now he's jumping into another parable. And remember, who does Jesus give the parables to? He gives the parables to the crowds. So this isn't first to the disciples themselves, the, the kind of inner circle. He just gave his parable, he explained it to his disciples, and now he's speaking to the crowd again with parables. Speaking to the crowd. And remember, he already explained in one sense why he speaks in parables They may indeed see but not perceive and hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. There is this great enigma in the parables. Uh, Oftentimes we think, well, he's just a a beautiful illustrationist. No, not exactly. The illustrations are as much to illuminate as they are to, to conceal. And he's laying out uh, an opportunity to these people to either pick up these parables and, and understand the mystery within them or to pass them by, to leave them in the dust and to, to miss the blessing of what they are. And so uh, it's into that context, that interplay that Jesus says, says this. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. All right. The question then naturally comes up. Okay, what is the light? What is hidden? What is secret? And the application seems to be, uh, as we get into it, is hearing. Verse 24 connects to this. It says, he, may, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear that these things have to do with hearing once again, just like the parable that came before. 
that Pastor Steve spoke of last week. This call to, to be soiled that can hear the word. And now, Jesus is speaking to the crowds and he's saying, you know what? I'm going to give you parables. They're going to be mysterious. You're not going to understand them. But there is great light there. And you can either let that light be concealed or you can uncover it. What is the light then? The light is the truth of who Christ is, the truth of the kingdom, the, the reign of Jesus. In the words of 2 Corinthians 4, 6, which I think is a, a nice summary of, of light as in the Bible, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I think we're looking at that kind of light Revealing Jesus, revealing his plan, his glory, the knowledge of what he's done. And yet it's hidden. Or at least could remain hidden. It's veiled. And in the context of this passage, it's saying it's veiled by the parables themselves. That there's this light of glory and there's a darkness. And the, the parables conceal all of the glory of the kingdom and the glory of Jesus. Now, there's a common interpretation that's saying, you know what, what, what Jesus is saying, he's saying to his disciples, you need to go reveal the mysteries of God. I think instead, he's speaking to the crowds and saying, there is light here, are you going to find it? Are you going to uncover it? And are you going to see the kingdom? Are you going to see who I am? Or are you going to let it pass you by? The hidden things are meant to be made manifest. And there's a call to hear these things and to pursue and to fight to understand. And there's a difference between what happens, verse 24, between those kind of people. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. For the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. All right, so there's a kind of a tit for tat here that... And it starts with the, the measure that I think you use to hear. That if you are generous in your hearing, if you are eager in your hearing, if you desperately want to understand the mysteries of God, you will not only understand, but God will give you all of the riches that come with that understanding. To understand the nature of the kingdom of God. And to receive the, the peace and the blessing and the joy of living in a kingdom that you understand, living under a king that you adore, and so, for a simple act of hearing, you're receiving far more than you ever invested. But he says, for the, to those who will not hear and do not hear, that they lose everything. That they miss all of the blessings of the kingdom. And instead of this far abundance, they, they receive far less than they would have had. Now, with that, I realize for many of you, that's a hard message. That's a really hard message because it's, it seems like instead of just giving people the truth, Jesus seems to be just holding up kind of this illusion and, you know, you get it if you get it, but I'm not going to help you out. And you're just being tested and some of you just won't, won't pass the test and it often feels like Jesus might not care 
I've had that question several, several times this, this week, actually, is, like, why can't God just save everyone? Why is he, why doesn't he do more? And this can feel kind of like salt in the wound, like he's intentionally confusing people. How is that helpful? Why is Jesus doing this? Now, uh, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Now, I think in one sense, yes, it is obscured. Yes, it is meant to be obscured uh, in the sense that uh, we don't cast the pearls before swine. That there, there are amazing truths of the kingdom that Jesus holds on to, but in many cases, the people aren't able to receive them. And there are people who hate that kingdom and who hate him as king. And uh, to some extent, Jesus is not giving them the means of, of destroying his preaching and, and keeping him from declaring this message. So he gives it in, in secret and in a way that no one could ever really accuse him. He's like, I was just talking about birds. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to dethrone the kingdom. Uh, I'm just growing a tree here. Uh, but, uh, yes, it is concealed, but I think it's concealed so that it might be revealed. It's concealed so it might be revealed. And that's where the parables, they, they kind of sneak through the back door of our hearts, uh, our understanding, and get past many of the defenses. So oftentimes, uh, the front door of our hearts, they're locked. And you can't get a lot in. We're incredibly defensive. We don't want to see our sin. We don't want to see our pride. We don't want to admit that we're wrong. We don't want to admit that we don't know something. Uh, we don't admit, want to admit that we're fully blind to the nature of the world. And if you try to go straight full force, oftentimes you don't get in. All right. Think about the last time you fought with your spouse or with a friend. All right. You have to be subtle with these things. <laughs> or try to rebuke someone. The reality is, we are sinners, and we are wicked, and we are doomed to die for all of our sins, and try telling that to someone. It's a hard message. And a lot of, lot of fences get built before you ever get two words out of your mouth. Now, what if instead, you are talking about some soil, and we're saying, you know what? Isn't it, isn't it interesting that there's some soil and seed just doesn't tend to grow very well on it? And it tends to die, and it's just nothing breaks through. Now that heart hears it and says, well, what does that mean? Could, could I be? Could I be rough soil? Am I not hearing things? What am I not hearing? What am I missing? What are, what are the guards? Why am I so hard? And this thing that seemed like it was this mystery that was supposed to obscure the truth is actually uniquely able to penetrate. And Jesus, when he talks about the kingdom, he could talk about the kingdom in, in terms of, hey, I'm the eternal son of God, triune person who came down to incarnate and then is living the perfect righteousness, going to die on the cross for the sins of his people vicariously as a propitiation to build an invisible kingdom 
that will be made manifest in thousands of years, but will be true and expressed by the Spirit. All right, there's something about that that just doesn't get into our heads. And sometimes we can act like that's a really good explanation of the gospel. It's not. It's just, it's, it's like a clinical explanation of the gospel. And when Jesus speaks about the gospel, he, instead he speaks of this, this great tree and the, the kingdom. And what does it mean to be part of this tree? And it's growing up and don't you want a part of it? That's what Jesus is doing in the parables. He's actually remarkably sensitive to sinful hearts that don't want to hear the truth. And so I hope that this is not received as a curse, but as Jesus dealing with us as we are. And remarkably, this, uh, this technique, it, it, it filters out the hearts that don't really want to hear. And they're not brutally offended, but those who are too wise in their own eyes and those who are too proud, uh, they can just overthink the parables and get out from underneath them. Oh, I'm probably not a hard soil. I'm probably fine. And, you know, at that, that one time I was nice to that person. That's probably fruit. And, you know, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Or you get the, the person who's like, ah, this is too hard. They're just kind of lazy and like, ah, I'll just leave it. And they don't have to deal with it. And who, who receives it? Those who are humble enough and who are honest enough to say, you know, I think that is me. You know, I think that is uh, the reality that we're living under, and I don't think I'm seeing it. And my hope is that we have those kind of hearts that are able to see and able to receive and take joy that Jesus can, can approach us in that manner. Because the... The reality is that oftentimes we have to be confused to, to see who we really are. The mystery helps us. And it's a, it's a remarkable blessing. So, what's the point here? The point is not to, the, the, often the application is, go and disclose all of the mysteries of, of Jesus and clarify all of the parable. No. The thing is, listen. Listen to your Savior. Listen to Jesus Christ. Listen to the, the blessings that he has for you in the parables. And fight. Fight to understand. And once you understand, fight to listen. Just like we talked about last week. Listen, apply, do. And live under these things. And now in terms of apologetics, don't cast your pearls before swine. All right. You can lay out all the spiritual truths and, and miss the heart. Um, I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like. But there's ways to, to be, the word, the word is winsome. winsome. Some of you had, had difficulty with that word in, uh, we had elder training. We talked about whether or not we like the word winsome or not. Uh, but it's, it's backdoor. It's getting around the heart. It's, it's trying to help people understand. All right. Now, now that we have that kind of uh, exhortation from Jesus, now we're going to actually get some parables. And we're seeing, you know, right, let's see the blessings here. Let's see if there are real blessings 
in the parables for us. And we start with uh, looking at the nature of the kingdom, verse 26. He said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is the nature of the kingdom. All right. If this were farming, in reality, uh, farming seems like a pretty easy gig. All right. You don't do anything. You just have to throw out some grain and then sleep. Uh, all right. I don't think that's farming. I think that's the nature of the kingdom. And he's talking about farming from a certain light and that it does it by itself. And he's saying that the kingdom works like that. And uh, to help us understand this, I have, a, I have another parable for us. Uh, only this one, this one is uh, from Frog and Toad. All right, it's titled The Garden. The Garden. All right, you got to love Frog and Toad. So Frog and Toad are the most unlikely of children heroines because they're just, they're totally naive and they never know what's going on and they're really confused and they like bumble about, but they have a good time. And so uh, we, we're kind of joined them for the ride. And this time... Uh, Frog, who's a little less uh, naive than, than Toad. Toad. Toad is very much bumbling and confused. Uh, Frog gives Toad, uh, he has this great garden of flowers, and he gives him some seeds. And he says, hey, here, have your own garden, plant them. But a warning, a garden is hard work. And so uh, Toad agrees, and Toad plants the seeds. And he realizes, he's looking at them, and they haven't started to grow and so what does he do? He starts yelling at his seeds. Grow seeds! Hurry, grow! Grow more! Grow faster! Now, Frog informs him that perhaps, perhaps Toad is scaring the seeds. And that is why they're not growing. And so he, he gets it in his, in his little Toad mind that you can scare seeds and that'll prevent them from growing. And after a few more days, they haven't grown, and so... He decides, well, maybe they're afraid of the dark. And so what does he do? He spends night after night setting up candles around his garden and singing to them and reading them lullabies and, and singing them, dancing for them until he is just so worn out. He passes out. He wakes up the next day and his seeds have started to grow. Now, what is his assessment? He goes back to Frog and he says, you know, it's, it's great news. My seeds are not scared anymore. But you know what I have discovered? Gardening is a lot of work. All right. How does that help us? All right, this is two different kingdoms. This is two different ways of looking at the kingdom as it grows. And how we often think about how the kingdom of God grows, we think that we are in far more control than we are. And we are anxious about the building of the kingdom. We're anxious about our own growth. We're anxious about the way we share the gospel. We're anxious about whether or not people receive it. We're anxious about where our country's going and where the world is going, whether or not God is building his kingdom. And the reality is, uh, we're making the building of the kingdom a lot of work but all we've done is shout at seeds and danced around when really 
We just needed to wait for God to do his work. Now, there's, there's two kind of applications there. First, there are things in your life where you need to sow the seeds. That is a reality. Things like meeting together. Things like uh, prayer. Things like uh, sharing the gospel. These are seed-planting things that, that yield fruit, but the, the harvest is not up to you. The growth is not up to you. And if you're doing those things and don't see the seeds growing, it's not time to start singing to them and shouting at them or fretting about whether the kingdom is broken or whether they're not growing. If you look out in the world and you say, you know, it doesn't seem like the, the kingdom is growing. Maybe we failed. Maybe we're being judged. It's, it's foolishness. God will grow his kingdom. He knows how to grow his kingdom. He wants to grow his kingdom more than we want him to. And he's in control. And so what do we do? We, we do the things that we can, but we leave things like the salvation of people who have received the gospel, the sanctification, our ultimate responsibility, things like the, the growth of the church, we, in some sense, have to leave them in God's hands and, and trust. Instead of making a production and manipulating the system and desperate, desperate for, to make sure that we don't have to have faith, God will grow his kingdom, even if we cannot see it. No shouting or, or dancing needed. We have a really good gardener who knows these things. And we do not. And we can, we can trust him. I think, of, uh, I think of communist China. There was this fear that once China had closed its borders and that it would return and become this spiritual wasteland, that the gospel would be uh, dead there. But the seeds had been sown, and remarkably, when Western society was black, there were... Christians all over the place that had grown underground that had been not tended as we thought they needed to be but they grew and now China is a, a fortress for the gospel it's a, it's a powerhouse it's amazing all right, that's the kind of thought stuff that we're talking about and that's, that's happening in our lives too oftentimes we don't see the growth but it is happening Now, uh, what does that mean? What seeds do you need to plant? What seeds do you need to plant? When do you need to wait? Figure out the difference between those two things. If you get those backwards, yeah, you're going to be really messed up. <laughs> some things you're supposed to plant, some things you're supposed to wait. Cut out all the things where you're, you're yelling and you're dancing to build the kingdom that is not under your control. All right. I think, I think I'll give Jesus that one. That is a blessing. There is a grace there. That is, that is an opportunity to live in joy in the kingdom of God and trusting that he is doing his work. Uh, let's look at another one. The parable of the mustard seed. He said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which 
when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. Yet when it is grown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. All right. A mustard seed. All right, these are tiny little guys. Uh, a little grain of sand seed. And yet, when it's planted, it grows up, uh, I'm told by the commentaries, uh, three meters high, nine, ten-ish feet. And the largest of the garden plant, it's, it's not the biggest tree, all right? If people always debate, it's not the smallest seed, it's not the, oh, oh. he knows what we're talking about. All right, uh, now, how does this help us? In our third plant-based analogy, how does this help us? Uh, the kingdom of God has small beginnings. It has small beginnings, and it doesn't look like much. The kingdom of God started with, with one man who ended up nailed to a cross. As his followers fled and ran for the hills. And what does it become? It is the the greatest religion in the world. It is 31% of the population. It is 2.3 billion people who claim Jesus. All right, it has grown. As those, those believers watched their Savior die, they didn't see that. All right, but that is not the ultimate fulfillment. All right, what are we looking for for fulfillment? Not that we'd be a scattered people divided and know that we would be one nation. The only nation in the new heavens and the new earth, the only kingdom with one king united together in perfect peace and joy, worshiping our Savior and our Lord, where Jesus is on the seat of all power and all wealth and authority is under him, where we are inheritors of the kingdom of God, we inherit the earth where the joy that we receive is never ending. It is eternal. Enjoying the presence of God. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, it's not going to look like that here. As much as that is true, you are going to see mustard seeds. And the world out there, it's going to look like acorns and walnuts. <laughs> All right? And it's to seem much more impressive. And I know some of you feel that. That we like look at us here and we're saying, ah, we seem kind of mustardy. Um, and then we go out there in the world and those people seem like walnuts. And like, and we look at the, the grand opera halls and we look at the, the museums and we look at the churches and where's the glory of the church? It's mustard seedy. And maybe we even look at our own lives and we're saying, they look pretty mustard seed to me. Um, that is how it's supposed to be. And Jesus is saying, do you have eyes to see the, the plant that is growing up to include all of the nations, all of the people that will be the, the singular tree in the garden in that day? Do you have eyes to see it? Or are we running after the, 
the power of the government, to running after the, the wealth of the businesses, running after the, the beauty of the world, trying to make alliances and missing that there's greater glory and greater joy, far greater things in the kingdom do we have faith to see it. That's what this parable is about calling us back to the kingdom and what it really means and what it really is. To he who has ears, let him hear. Amen? Now, these are, these are great blessings. And as we think about them, uh, I remind us, all right, who is the great teacher? Who is the great lamp? It is Jesus Christ, our Savior. That the light that is obscured is who he is and his person. All right, who's the great gardener who knows the things that we do not know, who can make the garden really grow? It is Jesus Christ. Who is the one who, in the end, is building his kingdom? Who is the seed that comes up and is is that mustard seed that becomes the whole kingdom that is Jesus Christ crucified for us. That the only reason that we ever understood was because Jesus Christ worked in us. The only reason that we are growing is because Jesus Christ is working in us. The only reason we have a kingdom is not because we are making it glorious, but because Jesus Christ has planted it. That is our great hope and our peace. That is Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King and our Gardener. And we delight in Him. And we rejoice that we have this one. Now, let he who has ears, let him hear. Amen? Amen. All right.